welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, the hacker maker, Philip Wiley. In each episode, I have a unique guest sharing their story of how they got started in cybersecurity and their tips and tricks on getting into the industry. So hopefully you'll get something from this today. We have a really great guest on the show, my friend and offensive security professional, Quentin Rhodes Herrera. He's a hiring manager at a a consulting company, so he knows a lot of good information on getting started in the industry. Some of his recent LinkedIn posts have been great and got me more excited to have him on the show. So thanks for joining today, Quentin. Yep, thanks for having me. Thank, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. So I know you're very busy you know, running a pen test practice and it's kind of cool to see your practice, the C2 that you guys came out with and some of the other cool things you're doing there. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of other things coming out. We have a good group of individuals. Um, today I'm banging my head against the wall on a Docker container escape. I actually had to reach out to some people who are experts in this field and, and they just wish me the best of luck because it's, it's a not an area I'm I'm good at, so always constantly learning. Like I posted today on LinkedIn, something new and um, you know challenging. Very cool. A lot of our listeners are people just trying to get in get into the industry and, and may have not heard of you. So sure. if uh, you wouldn't mind uh, giving us an intro about yourself, yeah, sure. So um, you know, my background mostly is in offensive security. I've done a lot of different roles in IT. Um, but before that, I was in the Army as a non-technical individual. Uh, I didn't uh, know anything about security. I wasn't uh, you know, a kid breaking into things or you know, the traditional hacker story I hear at least about how they were you know, fidgeting with things at a young age. Um, I was very much, what, what do they call a kinetic uh, type of individual, you know, uh, ground pounder. Um, and when I got out of the military, I needed a job. And I was doing physical security. I had some offers to go do uh, global uh, physical security operations. And, you know, the idea of going back to conflict zones and stuff never really appealed to me. And uh, security guards don't make a lot of money. So I had to find some other type of, uh, you know, job. And so I got hired on to do, um, as a contractor, to do fix a time clock for a company. Uh, it was, it was broken. It was one that people badged in badged out and, uh, no one from the makers of this company knew how to fix it. Uh, so I had to find ways of fixing it myself. And, and, you know, now looking back, I, I, you know, 
inadvertently hacked into their own system to fix the time clock in order to make it work. Uh, and I got a job there as a, um, a sysadmin that then eventually led to leadership, uh, running their security practice because they had PCI concerns and a bunch of other things. Um, but I don't have a college degree. I, I didn't have any certs when I got into security. Uh, I pretty much downloaded every PDF I could find, read every blog I could find about what is PCI, what is security, um, what do I need to know. Um, and I forced myself uh, to almost have like two jobs for the better part of three years uh, to learn pen testing. Um, you know, when I got my OCP early on, I, I would work eight hour shift and then come home and work another eight hours on the labs trying to understand what is this that I'm doing? You know, what is this field? Um, and so I did that and I, you know, I went to state farm and so on my LinkedIn, I went to state farm and, and, you know, led their pen testing team for uh, a good minute. And uh, then I moved over to critical start and, and kind of took over the group and created the group team Aries, um, which is just a, what I consider a premier offensive security shop, you know, finding zero days and, uh, breaking into things. And one of the things I really enjoy is, is hiring juniors and growing them into individuals that hopefully become smarter than me um, and make me look really crazy when they find some really cool things. And I get confused like I am today on this Docker stuff. Um, you know, that's, that's what I really enjoy now. And so right now my role is mostly just kind of overseeing our operations, but I still like to do pen tests and, and, keep technical as much as possible. That's very cool. Very cool. I know a lot of people avoid management for the fear of getting out of the technical side of things. So it's cool that you yeah. get to get, get to do that. And so it's pretty amazing. The, the team you've built there at critical start with team Aries. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And then some of the folks that came from state farm, I mean, years ago, I was really impressed with the talent there because, you know, you see some other companies have some pen testers and not always internal pen testers or, are that skilled or knowledgeable, but I'm quite impressed with the people there and the people that come out of there. Yeah, we, we definitely got lucky at, at State Farm. Uh, I mean, some of the individuals that came out of there, they were sysadmins, no pen testing background, but they had that uh, creative uh, spirit and that, that drive to never lose and, and always want to discover more. And I find that makes the best pen tester. Um, those who are going to sit behind a computer for several hours. I know everyone needs a work-life balance and vacation and taking care of yourself, but um, some of the best pen testers I know when they get stuck, I mean, they continually hit that wall, uh, ask for help and, and Google everything they can um, until they get either a solution or they find that there is really no solution and they just need to move on with their life. Um, but I mean, it's a very creative field and, and I definitely look personally for that type of personality when I hire. Yeah. One of the things too, you know, we kind of mentioned you didn't have a lot of certifications, didn't have any getting started. What yeah. would you recommend for someone starting out as far as certifications? How would you approach that? So, I mean, from a junior perspective, I no longer look at certifications. Um, for juniors, I personally look at what have they done on their free time in order to learn this field. So, I look back at what I did before OSCP and I look at, you know, um, are they doing hack the box? Are they doing free things out there? Are they doing Voln labs? Can they explain to me some of the basic concepts 
um, of pen testing because, you know, expecting a junior to come in and pay a thousand dollars or more. I don't know what defense security pit charges now uh, for certs is, is kind of unfair in my opinion. I feel like that's the equivalent of saying you need five years of experience for this entry level position. Uh, Cause they may not have the money to do that. Um, when you're in this position, I, I think the best certs to get are the ones that are hands-on um, the ones that really prove out your capabilities like OSCP uh, or whatever they call it now. I think they, they've changed the name. Um, e-learning uh, security has hands-on labs uh, and, and several others. I mean, I look at certs as mostly HR barriers, um, but if you're going to you know try to get through HR screening at like a corporate company in a non-junior role, um, the offensive security certs really help as well as e-learning certs do as well. So what, what kind of background would you recommend for someone starting out? Because I mean, to go in trying to hack things, I mean, you've, you, you know, you need to have some kind of uh, base level of knowledge. So where would yeah. you recommend starting there? I mean, I would, there's tons of resources out there. I mean, there's tons of blogs, I would say using anything that's free, right? Um, Hack, Hack the Box, like I said, still has free stuff. They have lab write-ups so you can try it and then validate what you did. Um, there's a lot of stuff on Udemy that's fairly cheap if you want to have to spend money uh, and actually look at those. There's tons of books out there. Um, bug bounties are a great way of legally... Uh, testing what you're learning as you're learning these things. There was actually a, a comment on my post today on LinkedIn about, um, you know, using bug bounties as part of, you know, your interview process. And I, I fully think you can, right? You don't have to disclose, you know, the bounty that paid or, or the company, but explaining the thought process you went through in uh, achieving that bounty, I think is is the most critical aspect of uh, getting hired on as as a pen tester, and what I look for, and I know what others look for that have I you know I've mentored or or um, I've been a mentee of, you know, looking for that mindset of, you know, do you just stop at this exploit or do you know understand this exploit thoroughly? Um, if I ask you, do you know, do you know what cross site scripting is? And you say yes, I know exactly what it is, and then I turn around and ask you, well, what's the uh, what are the ways you can damage a company using cross-site scripting? Um, I'm not looking for like one answer. I'm looking for the creative answers, right? The I, I could do this, I can do that, and and you know, looking for that that thought process. How are you going to work through that? And maybe ask me questions like, is there some other part of this I don't know about? So, you know, use all the free resources as possible. Um, and there's a ton out there, and there's a ton of individuals like yourself who are you know, constantly providing, uh, in, you know, feedback and, and data to these individuals. And I just encourage them to continue and reach out to individuals like myself, yourself or others, uh, for advice. Yeah, that's great advice. And, I, and you mentioning that, I think it's good to, to have multiple, uh, references because if you just listen to one person, they, everyone thinks differently. So, yeah. you know, just the same way, of, pen tester or red team or has a diverse tool set. You kind of need diverse resources for mentoring and resources to learn, I believe. Absolutely. So one of the things, what would you do? Cause I know we, you mentioned that uh, certifications aren't required to get a job as a pen tester, 
But what are some ways you would document that experience? How would you document that you've been doing try hack me, hack the box or bug bounties? How would be, what would be the best way to uh, kind of reference that on a resume or LinkedIn profile? And most of the sites have, uh, you know, a track record of what you've done. Your user profile is done on those sites and you could, you could highlight those, um, I mean, if 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 you wanted to prove that you've been doing it, um, some of them I think uh, even provide like scoreboards and and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, there's there's a good friend of mine. He calls them snitch points or CVEs, right? If you if you have zero days or, or AK snitch points, you know, uh, those are those are good references as well. Like I said, most of the things I look at for juniors is their thought process. How are they going to walk through? a pen test. And that's the hardest thing to get as a pen tester is that mindset of walking through um, a pen test because, you know, the check the box type of firms, you know, they don't really have that mindset of uh, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to try to chain this with that. And I'm going to see if I can achieve these objectives. They just want to find a bunch of findings, put in a report and send it on. So what I look for uh, outside of resumes is really that mindset. So if you have to put, you know, a resume together to get past, um, you know, the HR blockers, because for us, the resumes go directly to us. We don't have an HR blocker, but I know there are some, you know, putting your, you know, Hey, I'm score number 50 in the world on hack the box, or I've done all of these labs on hack the box and, and, uh, whatever other terms they use, I know they have like first blood or whatever. Um, I mean, putting that on there is is a great way of of showing. Even if you haven't like taken a cert, maybe you've taken the class, put the class on there. You know, hey, I've taken this course. Uh, I haven't taken the cert yet, but even the fact that you've taken the course shows some drive towards learning. Um, even if you failed the cert, and, and if you've tried it, I mean, that's that's not a bad thing, right? Um, you know, being able to show that you're pushing your knowledge forward, I think is the most important aspect of a junior pen tester. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that it's the education that's more important than the credential, because I mean, absolutely being educated, especially when you look at some of these certs that are question to answer, you yeah. get that right. Doesn't mean you know what you're doing. And <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And that's why when, uh, you know, for our tier two or our adversarial engineers, we require them to have, either the OCP or uh, the pen testing with uh, Cal or not pen testing, uh, the INE's version of it. Uh, I can't remember what the name it is. PTP, I think it is, pen testing for professionals. Um, because we want to have them show that they can leverage what they've learned in a simulated environment, not just a Q&A, not just multiple choice open book uh, test, because I don't think that validates anything. Very cool. So uh, what do you think about one of the things I've seen a lot of people doing lately that seems to be helping? Uh, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about like content creation? People, uh, you know, blog posts, YouTube videos and that sort of thing. Uh, as far as being a hiring manager, is that stuff useful? Do you believe? I think it is as long as it's, I think you have to be very careful, right? You fall down some very quick traps 
Um, I mean, you could put something uh, that's very wrong up and you think it's right. And it could be viewed by the hiring manager before you even get to the interview process that, hey, this is, I don't know what I'm reading, but it's not correct. And it's going to make a wrong assumption. So I think that is a, a very fine line to walk. Uh, but I don't think it's a bad thing, right? I commonly look at people's GitHub and blog posts, LinkedIn as a hiring manager to find out who I'm talking to. And me personally, I take everything with a grain of salt until I talk to the individual. Uh, so if I do see something wrong, I'm like, well, maybe they were wrong then, but they know now that's not the, the fact. But uh, I'm not the same as everyone else. So I think it's a fine line, right? Um, I think if you're going to do that, make sure that uh, you double check your work and you're putting up stuff that you're proud of. Um, and if you're not sure a hundred percent, a hundred percent that, uh, it's correct, you know, ask a friend. Um, it's a pretty big community. A lot of individuals I've reached out to someone today. I've never talked to before. Uh, and they, they reach back out to me, um, for help. Uh, and you know, so don't hesitate to reach out and ask people, Hey, is this correct? Am I making the right assumption? But, uh, definitely is a fine line, but I don't think it can. It, it's definitely not going to hurt uh, massively. Um, it could hurt a little bit if you're wrong, but you know it definitely can help for sure. Yeah, those are good recommendations because it's kind of interesting. You know, we're kind of like in the prime time of content creation. How there's some people that were came out of content creation, or you know, they they got opportunities through doing that. And it's helpful, but it is good a good that you bring up the point, making sure whatever is correct, you know, that you're putting out there. So you're not putting out misinformation and then maybe yeah. you're getting turned down because you list that on your resume or your LinkedIn profile because you had yep. something wrong. Absolutely. But, so very, very good point there. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people always ask, do I need to learn how to code to get started? Uh, so do you think someone needs to know how to code to get started? And if... If so, or if not, just kind of explain maybe different phases in the career where that would be helpful. Yeah, I don't think you need to learn how to code to get started into pen testing. I think you need to understand how to read code uh, at a very basic level, right? Understand, um, you know, syntax, understand uh, different languages um, at a very, very 1,000 foot view level, right? Because uh, you may not you may get into pen testing and realize web apps, not your thing. You're, you're never going to do it, but you still need to understand it a little bit in order to uh, conduct network pen tests, right? Because network pen tests sometimes ends up having web apps as part of it. Um, I would say if you're really interested in getting into web apps, specializing in a few for sure um, languages, and I, you still don't need to understand how to develop it and be a developer, but, uh, you need to understand how to read it well enough so that you can pull out flaws. Um, a great example of this for me personally is I used to do .NET development way back in uh, my prior uh, IT days. And on a pen test, I think now a year and a half ago or two years ago, um, the client had a .NET application, a vendor app that I asked for the source code for. And then I found, I think, like 18 zero days in that uh, because it's it was a garbage application but um understanding dotnet i can follow that whole logic flow that they developed fairly quickly um so getting into pen testing i don't think you need to understand how you, you you don't need to know how to code i know great pen testers that aren't coders uh but you at least need to understand how to read it um and the biggest thing is you need to know how to figure it out right 
uh, today I was helping someone and they had some stack trace errors. Um, and I realized it's windows. So just going to MSDN, right. Understanding, Hey, I don't know what this is, but I know where to find it. Uh, I think is more critical than knowing how to code. So as far as the, still on the same subject, as far as someone getting to a really good level, uh, do you think coding is helpful? Because you see some of the people like from like SpectreOps, you know, HarmJoy, and then like the creator of CrackMap Exec and some of these other tools, you know, do really well. And, you know, but then again, there's some people out there that like Alyssa Knight that says she doesn't even know how to code that seems to do pretty well. So as far as an advancement perspective, do you think it's required? Do you think it would be helpful? I don't think it's required. Uh, I know a few people that are, like ultra wizards, kernel level zero days, um, and they don't know how to write one single program. They could probably do a hello world and I would be impressed, uh, but they have other vulnerabilities that would make most people's minds, including mine, just explode. Um, so I, I don't think it's required. If you're wanting to build offensive security tooling, automating your life, uh, if, you know, if you're wanting to uh, understand some low, low, low level things, it, it can't hurt, uh, but it's definitely not going to stop you. Right. But that's why I, I, I differentiate knowing how to code versus knowing how to read code. Like those who um, I know who are finding like kernel level issues, they know how to read the code or assembly. They know how to follow it, but they couldn't write it if you asked them to in a very clean way um, versus people like harm joy or others who have written tools um, I mean, they can write it really well, but that doesn't mean they can go and find a zero day in Windows kernel uh, necessarily, right? It's just a different path. So I think learning how to read it is more important than knowing how to write it. Very, very good points. And, you know, a lot of the times just finding in some code, finding uh, embedded credentials, hard coded credentials, yeah. or, you know, finding links to databases and stuff is can be helpful. Absolutely. Yep. And that's, and that's kind of like the learning how to read it, right? Learning where to look, um, you know, windows.net, right? Web.config has, you know, troves of stuff. Some people hard code credentials, like you said, in mobile apps, um, S3 keys, I mean, all over the place. So just no, understanding how to read it, the syntax, I think is the most important thing, but you don't need, need to know how to code. And one of the things too, you mentioned that you didn't have a degree getting started out and stuff. So what what are your views on degrees as far as someone trying to get into, get into the industry? Uh, I don't frown upon degrees. I feel like that's a personal achievement rather than a professional growth uh, piece. I understand in all in all of business degrees are looked at, you know, MBAs all the way to uh, PhDs and stuff. They're viewed differently. Um, in my opinion, degrees are a, a personal achievement that you've you sought after i tried to get my degree i was doing really well i had 4.0 gpa it was but i i, I got bored uh, i didn't like it it wasn't for me uh it wasn't challenging enough um so i decided you know i wasn't going to continue that and i may continue it down the road but um if i see a degree on a resume i usually look at it and go cool you've achieved something right you, you spent four years, so you've shown that you can stick with something and finish it. But I don't know if you've learned something that's re relevant for today or that was relevant 20 years ago. Uh, and I also don't care what 
you know, three letter or, you know, Ivy league school you went to. I mean, what matters to me is uh, your current knowledge, the conversation we're going to have during the interview process. So um, if people are stressed and I, and I've had people come to me stressed out and say, well, I don't have a degree and I may not get a job. I've gotten jobs uh, without degrees. Uh, I got a job at state farm without a degree. Uh, and I know that was a point of contention with the hiring group uh, when I interviewed. Um, the differentiator I had versus some other candidates is I came to the table already well-versed in, in security because I looked up everything. I, I researched uh, app security. I, I, I did everything I could to prepare myself for cybersecurity. And so when I went into that interview and they asked me questions, even the ones I didn't know the answer to, I knew how I would obtain the answer. Um, and uh, I didn't, like I said, didn't have a degree and that was a point of contention and, and I still got the job. So uh, I'm here to, to prove that you don't have to have a, a degree to get anywhere. Um, you just have to have the ambition and the drive. You, I will say you, I have to work harder um, than some who have degrees, uh, but that's fine. I like a challenge. Um, I'm a pretty aggressive personality. I like to take everything on and see what happens. Um, so I, I would say that's one thing to be mindful of. If you don't have a degree, you will have to probably outwork or at least um, prove that you can outwork and outperform those who do. Or, or in your case, outhack. Outhack, yes, outhack. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's one of the cool things that's good to see because I know like the big four a few years back quit uh, requiring like a four-year degree because, you know, trying to get people in the industry and then so many cases too, not to say that that a degree is bad because one of the things it does that I see value in is if you take someone that's not a, a self-starter that that lacks, that needs structure, that, that is helpful for them. But at the same time too, you look at some of the degrees and if you're going to be a pen tester, a lot of the stuff is, even if you had like an ethical hacking class, a lot of times it's useless. So yeah. as far as stuff that's related to what you're going to be doing and if it's up to date, because you take some of these college textbooks, some of the things are out of date. Sometimes the academics have no real world experience and that needs to be taken into consideration. So even if you do get that degree, you're still going to have to do some of the same study and learning to, to be able to perform that task. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, and, I, I would say on top of that, those big fours, I mean, when I left, uh, when I was applying for other positions uh, outside of State Farm, my lack of degree did not hurt me at all. I had job offers uh, from quite a few different areas um, because of my experience uh, at State Farm and, and my self-work of, of having the OCP by then. And and um, <laughs> to, to refer back to snitch points, uh, I had a few of those already, right? So I've proven my, my track record in the industry already. So um, that's the hardest part to get over though, right? Is, is becoming, uh, having that track record, having that history of, hey, I've done this, this isn't new to me. Um, and so getting over that hurdle initially for me was really hard and I just had to, you know, self-study. I had to, you know, grind until I couldn't anymore until I felt like, Hey, I'm ready for this next level. And, uh, to be honest, I didn't even feel like I was ready for that job, but I, I went in full fledged and said, you know, well, let's do it. And I got it. So, um, like I said, you will have to work harder, I think. And if you're trying to go for a corporate job. Uh, without a degree, uh, for sure. Uh, but it's it's definitely possible. 
Yeah, it's based on my experience, really the only thing I saw much difference in is some some places, if you're wanting to be a management, some places want you to have a degree. But if you're yeah. someone that's technical, you know, it shouldn't hold you back. And in some cases, you don't necessarily have to have it to, in management. But yeah, it's interesting to see people with master's degrees that don't have much experience will have a harder time finding a job than someone that's got, you know, some actual hands-on experience. Absolutely. So what are some tips that you would have for anyone that's trying to get started that maybe we hadn't mentioned anything that you can think of that people sometimes neglect or, you know, some just things that are really helpful for someone getting into the industry? I think uh, the number one thing I see a lot of people who are trying to get in the industry, they, they kind of uh, have a problem with is they try to uh, stack themselves up with everyone and they need to realize uh, and, and kind of do some soul searching, realize that, uh, there's not one greatest hacker in the world. I don't care what uh, that one guy everyone hates is says, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, we all know who he is. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone has a different, uh, different skill set. Everyone has uh, is at a certain point in their own career. Um, so, you know, not sacking yourself up against others and saying, well, I'm not ready to become a junior possessor because I can't do X. I think that's the wrong way of viewing it. Right. Um, always, you know, just compare yourself to where you were last week, I think is, is the most important aspect that I've always learned. Have I grown from, from, you know, last week or last month? Did I learn more things? Am I, am I ready to kind of move forward, uh, with my path? Um, so I say, I think that's number one. And number two is, is really be specific on who you follow on social media. I have seen so many individuals who are getting started fall into the pitfall of secure cybersecurity drama and it just becomes too much and they get burned out in social media. They feel like this is a, a crazy world to be in. Um, so I always tell people, Hey, just pick a few people to follow and that you really like their work and just, just stick with that. Right. I mean, start there and grow. Don't, don't just go ahead first into all following every cybersecurity person on Twitter or LinkedIn, because there is some craziness out there and, and you have to be very specific on what you want to learn. Um, and social meetups locally, if you're an extrovert, um, even if you're an introvert and you want to try to become more extroverted, I would say social media uh, meetups in person are super um, important, right? Because you can learn a lot from people just by talking to them face to face. I mean, you may get opportunities that you wouldn't have gotten if it was just online. Um, and you know, friends, I mean, you, you make uh, acquaintances, friends that will help you through life and help you through um, different opportunities. I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt uh, more so on the business side for me, but I would not be where I am today if I didn't take some of the opportunities and, and build some of the relationships uh, I did over the past, you know, five, six years uh, with Critical Start. I mean, those those opportunities have taken me a very long way. Yeah, this seems like the people that have a harder time getting into the industry are the ones that aren't really networking that yeah. well. Because you see people that find jobs that look seem fairly easy. It's because they're out there beating people because I used to have people routinely reach out to me for junior pen testers. And I'd recommend people from the DFW community that I knew that just finished their degree. They wanted to be pen testers and recommend them. So yeah. the, the networking thing is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Networking is, is well, I think with anything in, in business is, is 
highly important, right? That I'm not saying you have to go and hang out and get coffee with them every day, but touch base, um, reach out, ask questions. It can't hurt. I mean, the worst thing that happens is uh, the person is just tired of hearing from you every day and they're hopefully nice enough to say, okay, listen, maybe once a month we talk, like let's, let's calm this down, but definitely getting out there. Um, I I'll also say for beginners, when you get into this, this, this sounds like a fancy, awesome job to get into pen testing, red teaming. Um, but I've experienced people who just, they may love it, but their skill sets never really gets there. Right. Or, uh, they, they stop liking it. They need to understand that this is a hard job. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, constantly learning report writing, which is everyone's nightmare. Um, this is a very difficult job to do. Um, and it has its moments of greatness and fun where you're, you're exploiting big companies. You're seeing things that no normal you know, person's ever going to see, but um, understanding that, you know, this is a, this is a challenging venture. So when you do get into this, if you're lucky enough uh, and you work hard enough to get into this, um, you know, doing soul searching and real and, and, you know, making sure that this is what you want to continue to do because uh, I've seen people get burned out and they stick with it because this is, you know, a job they work so hard to get, they're not going to let it go. But you can tell that either they've capped out their tech, you know, their skill level or they're burned out to the point where they no longer enjoy this job. So um, constantly kind of evaluating where they're at personally and socially. Yeah. And one of the things too, if you get burnt out on, the offensive side, then it'll make you a really good defender. Yeah, absolutely. There's many roles in cybersecurity. Red teaming is just one one aspect of it. And it's not the only one that's cool, too. You hear, you hear about thread hunting and some of those yeah. type of uh, skills sound pretty fun. Absolutely. Not for me, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting to see people because it's just like uh, from the DFW community. I'm not sure if you're familiar with David Cowan. He's a digital forensics guy, DFIR guy, and he started out as pen testing, but he kind of got tired of pen testing because he would do the pen tests. Customers wouldn't remediate, so he's constantly going back, so he felt like he's wasting his time. He spent all his time to perform the pen test, and people aren't appreciating, pre- appreciating his work or following the instructions to remediate, so he thought he was wasting his time. So he went into to DFIR because you know people get breached, they take it seriously, and and that sort of thing. So he got more fulfillment out of that. Yeah. I mean, that happens. I, I will say after running an IR team a little bit, I, I will never do that job. I, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel for those individuals, they're highly talented individuals and they have to deal with quite a bit of drama. And, um, my heart goes out to them every time a breach happens and they got to get called up. It's, it's tough work. Um, so yeah, definitely, there's other jobs in, in security, like you were saying, that that also are, are pretty cool. Uh, threat intel, like you were you were saying, uh, there's even the human aspect of threat intelligence, where you know, human intelligence is huge. I mean, there's whole firms built around this, right? There's products. Uh, there's offensive security development firms. I mean, there's a lot into this space. Yeah, it's really interesting how the industry has really evolved. Because remember back when you just really had risk management, network. Uh, network security and just not much to it but now it just it's evolved so much and keeps evolving it's pretty pretty interesting industry absolutely well we're down towards the end of the show if uh is there anything else you'd like to share before we end no i think that's it we captured everything 
yeah, uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And we'll be sharing your social media uh, contact information with folks if they want to follow you or reach out. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And we'll see you on the next episode. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. 